Back at it. How about this? Maddie? we sniffed yeah. a little bit of the NFL uh, fan duel lineup, our lineup of the week. We didn't have the stack. I got called out by our fantasy. Unbelievable. Uh, friends. And we have a special guest on today, too. Uh, Brian Hoy, friend since we were 18 years old for 22 years. Um, the Omega Mu chapter of Phi Gamma Delta. Wow. Uh, pledge brothers and uh, and lifelong friends here. So there is no one that I would rather have kind of talk us through a little bit of what to expect from the NBA season. And every time that I have a feeling about something that's going on with the Celtics, my go-to is like, am, am I right about this, Brian? And he usually says no. <laughs> Smart. I like him already. He's on it. <laughs> so this is the first time Maddie and Brian have met. Um, you know, congratulations on uh, enjoying each other's company because wow. <laughs> I can two better people to connect. But um, so, Brian, welcome to the show. How are you feeling? Yeah. Uh, Good. Thanks for having me. It's going to be fun. Yep. Confirmed. We can guarantee that and almost nothing else. <laughs> so thoughts on, on Sunday before we dig in a little bit. Um, I, it's, it was ugly out there. I think I'm, I'm resetting what I think about these teams in the NFL and the scoring and where it's coming from. Scoring's down. Teams that we expected to figure it out by now haven't, and it's getting late, quick, coaches getting fired, a lot of guys underperforming. What you think to be chalk ends up being wildly off, but then you look at the million dollar lineup and it's all, you know, it's all right there. So I think I'm gonna start to embrace some a little bit more of the chalkiness and not try to get too cute because there aren't very many guys scoring any points right now. So we should really just hover around those and make them the core of these of these lineups we're building because it's just it's not it's not working out it's not working out brian what have you seen from the nfl season so far what are you pumped about i know you're a pats fan um is it patriots like bailey zap your bust or is it um you know anything else that you're seeing you're also i do have to admit uh first time fantasy football champion <laughs> Um, I mean, you know, I think with the Patriots, it's I don't think it's zappy or bust. I think it's kind of um, just run running game and defense or bust. You know, yeah. I, I don't think I think their quarterback just needs to not turn the ball over um, yeah. and then they're going to be in a good spot um, in terms of around the league. It, it just seems like the Bills are the only team that can consistently score fantasy points. And thankfully, mm-hmm. I do have Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs in one of my leagues. So, um, good. you know, there's there's not much else going on out there point wise. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's you just, it's, I saw a stat Andrews and Kelsey are scoring so far ahead of the tight end three, which is kind of to be expected, but then there also would be ranked as like running back eight quarterback seven and receiver like five right now. Like it's just, it's just the same guys every week scoring points. And it's just, there doesn't seem to change. It's been five weeks now. So a lot of this data is sticky and we can trust it. And these trends are probably here to stay. So it's just time to, to get Bayesian with it and reframe the way we think about these lineups. Cause it's, uh, it's tight. It's tightening up. 
Well, the good news is that the Broncos are about to start about five minutes and the offensive juggernaut. Um, Russell Wilson did quote Winston Churchill uh, this week. Um, so I feel really confident going into tonight and we're not going to give anything away on the podcast. It's not a live feed. So uh, I'll, I'll catch up. I'll, I'll meet you at halftime. I mean, do you think if, if it just never gets any better this season, and I'm sorry to put this um, <laughs> potential reality in front of you, Gibby, but if it gets no better than this for them, will he just continue to just walk right through it and make these posts and, and quote Bible verses right up until week 18 when they end up, I don't know, who knows, let's not go there, but like th- what changes? Let uh-huh. me just ask you this before we go any further and then we can pivot give me your legitimate percentage of seeing a proper offense tonight. Um, 99%. But oh my God. Uh, he oh, quoted God. Churchill. I mean, what does he have to do next? Like he's going to quote Einstein next week. And, it's, it's getting and really, it's hard to General watch. Patton it's, and, uh, it's, it's just it not any which way. <laughs> yeah. He's got a few left. <laughs> he's got some more inspirational leaders. Oh, um, man. Speaking of inspirational leaders, look at that segue. Uh, Brian Hoy, um, one of the things that we do uh, early in the week is we like to have like fireside, whatever you want to call them, um, chats with with people that are doing interesting things and, or or have ideas or are super passionate about topics that maybe the rest of the world doesn't know about or maybe just Maddie and I don't know about. But you've been coaching now pretty much since we were in college together at some level. Um, And your varsity soccer, basketball, and I just found out track and field, which I did not realize, um, which we'll touch on in a bit. Um, But like, so what got you into coaching? What was your original motivation for like, hey, I want to be a coach um, at this level? Um, You know, I think... I think originally I started wanting to be a coach because like, like in college, I needed a job and, you know, it was something I could do after class. And uh, I didn't want to ref because I'm borderline abusive to refs. So yeah. I didn't want to be that guy, uh, but uh, <laughs> you know, the, I, I think it just working with the kids, you know, I'm a teacher as well. Um, and yeah. so working with kids is fun. Um, I really enjoy that. And what better way to spend the afternoon than being at practice every day. It's kind of, all I've known my whole life. So, um, and this is actually year number 20 coaching. Uh, wow. I think it's 18 years that I've done three sports. I took like one year off from basketball, which was like the worst winter of my life. And I didn't coach in a spring sport one year, but other than that, I've been doing three sports for about 20 years. Um, and it's, you know, this is actually my, it might actually be more than 20. Um, but it's my 16th at South Portland, um, coaching soccer. And it's funny because some of the kids I'm coaching, you know, I coached when I first started now, like 35, you know, 36 (laughs) years old. It's just weird to me, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The sands of time. Yeah. That's, I have a lot of respect for anybody that has the level of patience required to be both a coach and a teacher, which I guess are pretty synonymous if we think about it. So props to you. That's I, I, I don't think I have the patience required to do it. So it's definitely, um, it's a skill. It is very much a skill. What, um, 
do you have a preference? Do you have a favorite, a favorite uh, child, so to speak, of the sports that you do coach? Is there one that you tend to enjoy more? Or are they all sort of like they fit into the whole puzzle for you? Or is there one that you really, really like spending your time with more than not? Uh, ba- definitely basketball. Um, it, you know, I've, I've always been a huge basketball guy. Um, I love soccer. I love coaching soccer, but basketball is just something I'm really passionate about. Um, I also think one of the things I hate about coaching soccer is that once the game starts, I can't do anything, you know, a little halftime adjustment, but I've got no timeouts. I can make subs, but that's not going to really do all that much. Mm. Um, Basketball. I feel like I'm almost like the sixth guy on the floor because you can kind of control what's going on and make adjustments and stuff like that. So definitely basketball. Um, it's also I, I I really like the strategy part of yeah. of basketball, going through film and and you know kind of picking apart what we can do, what we can do better, um, and you just don't get that in the other sports. And I, tracks co- coaching tracks just not at the same level as the other two. It's just something I do because there's something you know I, I don't play baseball, so I went, I'm not a baseball coach. <laughs> So um, compare your ATOs, your after timeouts to Brad Stevens after timeouts. (laughs) Well, I mean, he's got a little bit better uh, guys that can execute things, but, uh, you know, Craftsman never blames his tools. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I think that's actually one of the really hard things about coaching high school is that you can't, it's so hard to just draw something up. Cause uh-huh. you just can't do it. You know, you have to, it's stuff you have to practice over and over and over again. So yeah. um, we do have quite a few sets that we run coming out of timeouts, but it's nothing that's like you, you, you can't really just like throw something on the board and run it. Um, I have had teams that could do that, but not recently. Consistently. Uh, yeah. Um, so what's interesting is you mentioned like 18 years, 20 years coaching Um have, and everyone complains about like <laughs> kids these days, right? Like they're on TikTok. Like you must see that and look back at like different eras, right? Of you know what what kids were like in high school at that age, and and what what was going on social media. Do you see like consistency in that? Do you see like how generations have changed over over time? Whether it's uh, teaching or or sports. I, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, as, as a teacher, the the kids now they they're almost like absent from participating in anything, mm. unless you like force them to do stuff. You know, and and like homework, forget about it. It it just doesn't happen. Um, with the athletes, I think the biggest change is that when I first started coaching kids just liked playing like they would go to the park and they would go outdoors and they would just play all the time. And now most of um, most of the guys, they only play during organized events. And my, my basketball team right now is actually kind of weird because my guys do go and play outside, you know, at the parks and stuff like that. Uh, but most of the high level players, like you, you won't catch them playing outside. They're only playing during AU practice. Um, yeah. During games, stuff like that. Yeah, you weren't. I remember those days and you just really weren't, you know, you you got better at your craft, which was something that was kind of like, I don't think at that age, you really know, like you've got coaches and you've got parents and you've got people telling you, you know, work at this, you could be a little bit better and you might give yourself an opportunity to do something with it. I don't think that ever sinks in for like a high school kid, but it's funny now that I think, and, and I'm wondering your, your take on this. 
is a lot of that because it's it's become so crystal clear to these kids what the best case scenario looks like because of again all that social media and all the exposure they get to the lives of all of these athletes that it's like I'm not going to go above and beyond and risk not having that opportunity, but they may maybe lose something along the way. So is, do you think it's because they can see that goal and that's all they care about now, or is it just they're lazy and they don't want to do it? Um, I I think it's more that there's just opportunity for stuff like that. Like when, when I was growing up, we didn't have gyms that were open with yeah. trainers and stuff like that. It just wasn't a thing. Um, yeah. There were a couple AU teams that you could play on in the off season, but for the most part, it was just, you went and played because that was how you get, that was the only place to play. And now, I mean, they have practices three times a week in the fall for 12 year old girls teams, you know, that it, it, it not just wasn't a thing, you know, yeah. and, and now it's, it's um, they have down in Saco, they have this um, place called the grind lab. And like, you can go in and pay 10 bucks and get on the shooting machine and get up 500 shots in half an Crazy. hour. And, Crazy. but it's, it's weird because, they also don't develop that like feel for the game. It's like, yeah, the skills are great, but you you can't play, you know, like you can stand there yeah. and shoot. You can't no play. awareness. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's, a good just, point. it's just a lot different. Yeah. There are, yeah, there's a lot more opportunity. You're right. Whereas before you had to create it, you had to go out with your friends and play. You had to find a way to like put something together. And to your point, probably wet more well-rounded players because you're playing with your buddies and there's ego there and everybody's trying to be the alpha. And so you're getting better, you know, iron sharpens iron, that whole concept. I didn't think of it that way. That's a good point. Yeah. Huh. So I want to shift gears a little bit. I could stay on this topic and ask you about a million more questions, but one of the things that I love about you is, is how smart you are. No pun intended um specifically about the Boston Celtics and there is a raging debate mm-hmm. that I have been very close to because you know my passion for one individual player um who who might be a thorn in people's side who might be he's sort of a lightning rod right in uh Celtics fandom um so why is Marcus Smart still on the team um why is he important to the Celtics' success this coming year? Okay, so first off, to to answer that question, you have to kind of look at what Brad Stevens does, and uh, either coach, GM doesn't really matter. He looks so much into the analytics of things that it's hard not to see what smart ads when you look at those advanced stats because. All the advanced stats show like he's on the floor, they're way better. You know, he's off the floor, they're worse. Um, other guys are better when he's on the floor. And so Stevens, he does such a good job of kind of analyzing those things, um, which is also the same reason why they don't have a big man. You know, they always talk about they yeah. need a big man, they need a big man. No, they don't. It just doesn't help anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And so he just does such a good job of analyzing all those numbers that, you know, when Marcus plays, good things happen. Um some bad things happen, but, but overall, you we know, we're going to stop the podcast right there. <laughs> we're gonna end it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he's, uh, you know, I get it. Like I, I get the criticism on smart and, and we're all Celtics fans here. So, uh, you know, but, but, but the criticism, sorry, Gibby, but the criticism has always been misguided. And and again, because of what Brian just said, like big men don't exist anymore. Like Rob is a unicorn. 
what he brings to a team, the difference between what that team looked like pre-injury in the playoffs and then post when he was banged up and he didn't really play all that well against Miami. They could have beaten Golden State. It changed that whole whole series, not because those guys would have been chucking it from three. They still would have been. But a lot of those rebounds wouldn't have been offensive rebounds. He would have gotten them. Smart. The, the main criticism of Smart has always been know your role. And now I think, to Brian's point, he's in his role. They're going to play this smaller lineup until Rob comes back and everybody's going to be like these interchangeable wings. We don't need him chucking up all those prayer shots. We don't need it. Just play defense, lock somebody down, distribute the ball, and get it to scorers, and then you're the backup option if needed. And I think the moves they made this offseason show that that is the path that they want to walk down. So maybe he'll be good with it. Who knows? Sorry, Gibby, go ahead. It's okay. No, shot selection's always been the the main thing and like the the random right breakaway layup that he tries to do something like behind his back and <laughs> make a Marcus Smart play, but then he makes up on the defensive end. Um I I agree. Um, but I, I just love the fact that like he he guards one through five. And you know, yeah. back to the point, right? Like you don't need a center. Um I remember like his rookie year when they made the playoffs, he has not missed the playoffs yet. Um, they, they couldn't stop Millsap and Horford when they were playing Atlanta in the playoffs. Oh, devastating and, series. Yeah. And then they threw Marcus smart on Horford and smart shut him down. And it was, yeah. it's just, you know, there's something to, like there's, there's a stat that can't be measured in basketball and you probably see it, Brian, like you probably have a, a ninth guy Heart, on your grit dog. It, it's it it's got to be that like every year you're kind of rooting for um you don't have to name names but like does that happen when you're coaching like where you see someone that gosh i love the the way this guy plays yeah and especially i mean at the high school level you you can have guys on the floor that don't that can't score you know what i mean yeah. you can, you can have guys that can't shoot cuz it doesn't affect spacing as much um as it would in an nba game um and yeah, and, and we we always have guys like that. I remember when I was coaching at Scarborough, um, I was the assistant coach, and the head coach would always um, take this kid out, and he, he can't score. He can't score, and I'm like, he has like eleven rebounds, and it's the second quarter, and his man hasn't scored yet. Like that's huge, huge value to the team. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, with with Marcus, when he, I remember it was, um, I can't remember if it was Embiid that he switched on to in the playoffs one oh, year. Yeah. He was killing us, and it was like. Yeah. How is he going to guard Embiid? And all of a sudden he's stripping and he's, you know, Embiid can't do anything. Uh, And I think a lot of his shot selection and uh, you kind of have to live with it. And it's one of those things where if he doesn't shoot it, they're not going to guard him. And, or, or he oftentimes gets it late in the shot clock too. And if he catches the ball with four seconds left for an open three, you're not getting a better shot than that. No, that's true. So it's true. I mean, I, I, I watch a lot of the games with our, with our buddy, Billy, and uh, he freaks out at smart shooting. And I'm like, dude, there was two seconds on the shot clock. What do you want him to do? What, what, yeah. Do you want to violation? It's really hard to win defensive player of the year. That's not an award. They just give away. Like you've got to really, that's, that's an award you have to earn. And I heard somebody say this about him. And I think it's true of all the guys who play defense the way he does. Somebody said this. I don't know who it was. It was a player. He gets to your spot before you do. 
And so to your point earlier about Embiid, you'd think to yourself, there's a huge height discrepancy here. How is this guy going to do anything to disrupt what Embiid wants to do? And before Embiid gets into his motion, Smart's already there jamming him up. And so they never even get started. And it's always a mess. And then they scramble. You only get one of those. Like you don't see a lot of guys kick it out of the post and then back in and one shot clock and get a proper shot off. So I'm a Marcus guy because I like that version of him. If he's doing those things for the team, Tommy points, distributing, like just that's fine. Do that stuff. But you're, but you make a great point. If there's like five seconds on the clock, he's got the ball. You're probably not getting a better look than that. You, you, you blew that you blew the possession. So put it up. Yeah. Um, so not to, I mean, we could have a Celtics pod and you're welcome back for a Celtics pod anytime. (laughs) Um, but, uh, I do want to get your overall outlook on like what this team is, what you think, um, going into the season, um, and then kind of dive into the outliers in the NBA, who's overrated, who you think we need to, I'm asking you 15 questions in 30 seconds, but, um, let's start with the Celtics. We'll go there. I mean, I don't, I don't know how they're not a championship level team. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I thought last year, um, if they even play close to average in the finals, they, they beat golden state and they played like incredibly subpar the whole, I think, I think Jalen was probably the only player that played well. It was, uh, ga- they were gassed. They they were gassed. Tatum, Tatum was hurt. He wasn't, he yep. was busted up. Yeah. And and way too many minutes from certain guys throughout the playoffs. And so health is obviously going to be huge this year, getting getting their healthy, getting their rested. Um, Brogdon helps that so much. I mean, uh-huh. he, it, it, and again, a guy who, if he can stay healthy, he's right. given them 30 minutes a night that they just didn't have last year. And that's break yep. for other guys. Um, yep. And Derek White just seems like he's way more comfortable. You know, he, he's a much, much better player this year. Um yep. And then I, I think up front, their depth is a lot better, too. I mean, I I, I don't see it, but apparently Cornette's good. <laughs> talking about that. Um, it's, it's like they just love they love the they love the dying fossil. That is the 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 Dirk clone, the spacer who also is like seven feet tall. They love him. I can't stop reading about him. And I'm like, I'm the same boat as you. I say, I don't get what he does that nobody else can do. Like, why are we doing this? But. I'm going to rely on the fact that Scal and Brad are the ones who keep talking him up and they know a lot about basketball. So, yeah. you know, and, and I, I think the other Blake Griffin, I think is going to be a Love that signing. five minute a game, but that's not bad. You know, like he, he can play a little bit still. He's, and it, it, I thought he was like 39 years old. He's 30. Like <laughs> no. he looks like he's 40. But. There's another, there's another quality run of basketball in him for sure. And I was reading I the other so day. I, I've been he's, like, when they had the signing, I, I remember getting a few texts and I'm like, yes. uh, you know, this is like someone that's going to play eight minutes game. He's not going to play in the playoffs, but like, I'm getting sold on Blake Griffin. I, yeah, I'm, but you, but, but within play a reason. Lot of minutes on back to backs. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like you don't have, I mean, it, all of these things are better than throwing Tice back out there. Even Vonley. I'd rather you play Vonley because at least that guy, to your point earlier, Brian, you can tell those guys on the floor who might not be the ones lighting it up are going to do the little things. You need some of those guys and you need them for cheap. And Vonley is a dude who went to China, drafted, fell out of the league, China, worked his way back, like back home. He's from here. Those guys tend to work out here in Boston. I don't know what it is, but anytime a local kid plays here, you get a little run out of them. So like they're just deeper. They feel deeper to me. They feel like they're going to be able to get through the season and not be limping at the end like they did. So, I mean, wheels up. And and 
Hauser could shoot the ball. They they haven't had a guy who could shoot the ball. I mean, pr- other than Pritchard, Pritchard's obviously lights yeah, out. Yeah, he can yeah. he can go on a run. A wing yeah. can shoot the ball. We haven't had a good three point shooter. Other, and not to say Tatum and Brown aren't good three point shooters. It's not what they do. Like just a guy who's like just, lights out, and it's so nice to have. You know, we yeah. haven't had that for a long time. That's what they needed last year. That's why they signed uh, Gallo, who he's out for the whole year, right? Is he not coming back? Is he done? I I, I think so. I mean, he, I, he think does. I think he's done for the year. Oh, just... That's exactly what they needed. I mean, they get they get a little bit of it elsewhere, but I think they still could add a shooter because who cares? Seller cap's not real. Like, go get a JJ Redick and just post that dude up in the corner, and then let everybody else that 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 is a defense that or an offense that is very hard to defend because you really have to pick your poison. Like, you want to get slashed by one of the Jays, you want to lose somebody open in the corner. That's tough. So I like to see him do that. Maybe replace Gallo at some point with, with a similar player, but yeah, we'll see. I, I personally love Justin Jackson at the 15 spot. Mm. He's from North Carolina and we have the same birthday. So <laughs> good enough for me. I'm in. Do you have a, so, I mean, obviously I think it's pretty tough. I think everybody's on the same page. Like the Celts are obviously one of the top two or three teams in the East. Do you have a top four in each conference right now that you feel like are a cut above? Or do you have a couple teams? Like, how many teams do you believe are tier one championship caliber teams right now? Um, in the East, I, I I think there's three, maybe four. I mean, I, I, I don't really consider Philadelphia in that category because okay. I'm just not sold on James Harden at all. Being no. competitive. You never have been. No, no. And um, – but they do, but Embiid's unreal. I mean, like he's yeah. he's yeah. one of the best four or five players in the league. So that could change things quite a bit. Um, and they seem to have the right mix of guys around him. Yeah. Um, it, obviously, the Bucks and the Celtics are in that category, and I I don't see how the Nets aren't. Like I, I feel like the Nets are probably that most underrated team right now. I saw something. Um, I think it was. I saw something online and they had him as like the 16th best team. And I'm like, that's just crazy. Like Kevin. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. just that's Kevin baking Bates. in the problems with the personalities probably, and not taking into account the talent. Right. And, and winning's going to solve a lot of those problems. You know, like they start winning that's, and they got a lot of other talent. Like there's a lot of depth on that team. Um, yeah, yeah. Joe Harris coming back to Harris will be back. Can they give Simmons something to do where he won't be pouting, but he can be contributing like a, <laughs> like the, like, like the point guard that he is that can't shoot. Like, can we just, why doesn't he just lean into it and just do that thing? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and, or play him at center. I mean, yeah. just get, get him in the dunker spot and just kind Instead of, of him yeah. yeah it's, he doesn't have to handle the ball. He can bring it up. He can run breaks. Like you can get yeah. him up, you know, get him out of there. So he's not, a liability like i mean rob, rob williams plays that lob spot like ben simmons yeah. could do that pretty easily um, yeah so. plus curry could run the point for them if they needed to like in whatever you look at i mean Kyrie's going to but like you got guys that can handle the ball like curry can handle the ball a little bit he's he's what that he is what i if the celtics had curry in place of gallo in that spot then they're tough to beat that's a tough tough team to beat. he's good yeah but then- yeah i agree with you the nets are dangerous can we just get a Kardashian in every single Nets game? The Kardashians have been in the area, right? Not too far down the street from me. There was an apple orchard they showed up at last year. I missed it, unfortunately, Gibby. I would have popped in and told them you gave them your best. But, yeah, that's all we need. I I just would like to see a way to make that happen. Um, <laughs> that's scare me. Like, the Bucks scare me a little bit with Middleton. They have to, back. yeah. Um, but I don't think they're deep. And, you know, Brooke Lopez – 
probably 45 years. <laughs> He's Tom Brady's age right now. Like I think Sideshow Lopez. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's Robin. Robin. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, they're so different. Brooks, <laughs> but they love Disney. Like Mike Breen on the NBA show was just talking about how much like the Lopez brothers love Disney. (laughs) uh, They go together. My brother met them at Stanford when they were in college because he lived lived on campus and he said they're both wicked jerks. (laughs) Really? See, that makes me sad because you always hear one or the other with these guys. And I, I worked very briefly in sports at the very beginning of my career. And you see these guys when they're not in front of the cameras and you can tell right away either way. And you just really hope that they would enjoy the fact that they have the best job in the world. But some of those guys can't. Yeah. Well, Lopez brothers out. See you <laughs> they're later. out of the podcast. See you later. Are we um are we are we uh steamrolling towards a potential Celtics Nuggets finals? Uh I mean, I, I thought the Nuggets would have won it. Um I don't think the Suns get by the Nuggets two years ago if the Nuggets have either Porter Jr. or Jamal Murray. But you you can't – Jokic can't isolate at the end of games. Like, they need that isolation guy at the end of games. And uh, I think the Nuggets are – the. I don't know if they're the best team in the West because Golden State's still, like, loaded. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But they also seem like they're heading towards an implosion with Draymond Green, which I'm going to love to watch. Um, Yes. Thank you in advance for that. Yeah. 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 but yeah, I think the Nuggets, Golden State, and uh, I don't know. I don't think there's much else in the West. What do you uh, think about the, the Mavs? If you think Luke is going to get some help, sorry, who'd you say, Gibby? Memphis, like, but maybe their run was last year, and it's always too early, right? Like, there aren't many teams that go to the NBA Finals that have a star that's under 26 years old. Yeah. Uh, there's nobody that. to help him. There's nobody to help him there. I know. Uh, they're weirdly just as good without him. Yeah. yeah. Which is always is not is not saying yeah. anything. He's one of the top five players in the league, but like it tells me they're pretty far away. If that's if nothing changes, it means they're a couple more guys away. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, Dallas in the same boat, I guess. So who's who's gonna be worse dubs than than we expect? Like the media is high on or that you know people think might be a playoff team that absolutely will you're and, and i know you're gonna say lakers but outside of the lakers well it's just i was actually gonna say i i i think most people think the lakers are a playing team i i, I don't think yeah. people see them as a legitimate the expectations have gone down yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. they're they're just not good and no. they 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 could be but it, there's anthony davis is already hurt yeah, but he's done through preseason. He's already got a lower back injury. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I'd say I, I in, in the East, I, I don't see the Hawks or the Cavs in the top level. I, I feel like they're okay. a step, a pretty big step below. Um, Donovan Mitchell, I don't think moves the needle a ton for Cleveland. Yeah, um, though I could be wildly wrong about that. They like, already I, have him. They already have. We've him. been wrong. I no. mean, he's. he's Colin Sexton, right? I mean, they kind of yeah. get Colin Sexton back a, a little bit better version. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think Detroit could be as good as those teams. Like Detroit could be on the same level. Atlanta, a little, maybe not Atlanta because Atlanta, Trey, Trey Young's pretty solid, but I'm not sold on the rest of Atlanta. Um, and I don't know how well, like, 
DeJounte Murray's stats are going to go down. Like they're going to plummet quite a bit. I mean, yeah, he, without pop call, set it call in place for him and have get put him in positions to, yeah, he won't and, look the same. Just the, the sheer usage. I mean, he was their only good player last year on the Spurs, yeah. and he's going to go to a place where I, th- I think Trey Young had the highest usage in the league last year, or at least yeah. close to it. It was him and Luca. I think we're back and back and forth on that. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's like that. That's going to something's going to have to give there. Um, yeah. And. I mean, just does Clint Capella scare you at all? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he is who he is, and um, I don't think their other guys are all that good. I don't think John Collins is that good, which everyone wanted the Celtics to trade for him, and I'm like, please, God, no. Um, Doesn't but, fit on this team. That's the thing in the NBA. You, you have to build a team. You can't just put a, like an NBA jam team together. It just never works. Never works. Unless you're the Lakers and you get your hands on Scottie Pippen Jr. And then you're cooking. Now you're in business to do something (laughs) out there. So that changes things. Um, Yeah. And and, I mean, I think in the West, you definitely, I don't see the Lakers as being very good, but Phoenix is the other team that screams overrated to me. I mean, Chris Paul's got to hit a wall at some point. Yeah. I don't think Aiton's that good. Um, And their role play, like, like Cam Johnson's okay, but he's not, he's not like an all-star level player and, and Devin Booker is he's good, but I don't think he's as good as he kind of gets credit for, you know, I think he's a very good player, but not, they have a lot of people have him as the best shooting guard in the league. And I, I just don't, I don't think he is. So. Yeah. I, I can I, see, I can see Phoenix falling off. So who, who tanks for, <laughs> I, I struggled Nick. with our various wards name. I got it right this time. Oh, you got, so you got it right on the wrong podcast. Now we're on the wrong podcast. I've been really struggling. Charvavius, I've been all over the place with his name. Um, Wemben Yama, Victor, we've decided in the green room. I'd call yeah. him Victor. Um, who's who's tanking for him? I know like the top four teams in the lottery, you know, get to basically like get the same odds. Um, but but Silver's already upset, for? by the way. Silver came out and he was like, please don't tank. Please yeah. for because the, there's two guys yeah. up there. There's two guys up there. Yeah, Scoot's pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Um, Who's tanking? Uh, I mean, I I don't think San Antonio could win a Euro League playoff. Like they're they're awful. Um, uh-huh. And uh, the Thunder, the is Thunder Pop around for is Pop going to be around for like the? Fruit he's got it's it feels very Belichick to me. They feel like the same guy. I think he's just going to be done when he's done. Yeah. Um, hands it off to someone in good hands, like, yeah. leaves it, like, here you yeah, go. Yeah, e- 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 now. Yeah. Um, the, the Thunder are, I don't know what they're doing because they actually have some decent talent on there. Like, Josh Giddy's a good player, mm-hmm. Josh Alexander's a good player. Um, but I don't see how they can be competitive. Um, and, and I think they're still going to, I think they might trade Gilgis Alexander because he's still not like his contracts up before their timeline. And Presti uh, doesn't have a timeline. It's just to see how, if he wants to see if he can control an entire first round or at yeah. least an entire lottery, that might be his goal. And then he'll, he'll retire. I think that's what he's trying to do. Well, and they kind of lucked out with like Chet missing the year, because I think he's probably worth like three or four wins, extra oh, yeah. wins and yeah. gets him maybe out of that top four pole position. And then they get, you know, rookie Chet and rookie, you know, maybe Scoot, maybe Victor. Um, so it could be it could be interesting in Oklahoma City. And then Houston, right? Houston's bad. Yeah, I, I think Houston, though, has the pieces in place to, like, actually be decently competitive. 
like okay. Jalen Green and uh, uh, the the Smith, Javari Smith. I think they have. I think yep. they kind of have the pieces, kind of like Oklahoma City. But I think Houston might actually try to win some games. Um, okay. I want yeah. to see Victor go to Oklahoma City to play with Chet Holmgren because that would just be hysterical. To that me. would be yeah, like wild. That would be like one of those NBA NBA Live when you make the players and you make their arms super long, like Stretch Armstrong, and they would just be freaks. Nobody would think it's real. I'm in on that. And, I want that. Pre- Presti's running his team like I used to run a 2K by league team. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm like, all right, I don't like any of these guys. I'm going to trade everybody and get yeah. draft picks and draft – 15 rookies and just see which ones get better and then trade everyone else for more draft picks. Like they don't care. They don't care. I, um, a team. So this doesn't really have anything to do with tanking, but a team that I'm like dangerously high on is the Timberwolves. I feel like they're going to be a ton of fun and they're going to have weird lineups. They're going to have lineups with Gobert and, and cat out there with Russell doing the only thing that he does well. And then Anthony Edwards is a blast. I know that's just their starting lineup and the rest of the lineup needs to be filled in. They're going to beat some teams. They're going to sneak about some teams, I think. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think they're going to be pretty good. I think that was a terrible trade to make. Yeah, made, made no sense. I think in the in the short term, they can probably compete in the West. I, I don't yep. think they win the West, but they can be top four, you know, team yep. in the West. But I think long term, they're going to regret that one. Um, yeah. Well, are they kind of turning like Anthony Carl Anthony Towns into like Al Horford? A little bit. Yeah. Cause he's not, he doesn't, he does not really much of a presence under the hoop now. Yeah. He's, he's a good low post player, but like, it's like high screen and roll. Three point line. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's a good, it, that's a good call. That's a good call out. I think it's, I think they're turning into like, yeah, the 25 year old version of Al Horford being 35 years old. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to see if he has a pulse because he doesn't seem to have a pulse. Like he doesn't play defense. He's got, like, no, he, he just, he needs to play harder, you know, I, for me, like how much of that is Jimmy Butler, like just <laughs> ruining people as he went through that year. And, and I like Van Gundy and everyone loved Jimmy Butler in the playoffs and he was great and he is great, but like a he ruined two franchises for a bit. Yeah. Uh, but people love him though. That's the thing. It never really adds up to me. Like people love him. I think it's because they respect how he goes about his business. He's just like that dude will just outwork everybody. Like, isn't he in a great, he's in the perfect spot in Miami because those guys are just, they're just full of the whole team's full of guys with his same attitude. Like they're they're getting fights every week in practice and yeah, don't hear about it. Like that Draymond green thing probably happens twice a week with the Morris with Morris in there. And like, you know, (laughs) yeah. Udonis Haslam is back. Nineteenth season, he's still there. Why? Is oh, he you brought up a sore topic for Brian. I think. Oh, I, did I? Wow, I unearthed one. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I hate him too because it's like just coach now, dude. Yeah. You're not ever gonna play. What are you doing with the jersey on? Just burning a roster spot. Well, and I feel bad for like the the next guy out in the NBA that like wants to make the NBA that didn't because Udonis Haslam's still there. Yeah, but, yeah. Like, you know what? Yeah, I'm out on him too. You and me, you and me together. I hate him now. I already hated him, and now I double hate him. Yeah, I'm in. Maybe so, join us. So we're, we're we'll wrap up the the NBA stuff. But Brian had one last question. Unless Maddie, you had anything else on the Mm-mm. side? Um, so what advice would you give, like a parent um, or someone that that or a younger kid, like 13 years old, they're about to go to high school, someone that's you know a parent of a 13 year old that 
is going to play sports or wants to play sports, what advice would you give them as a coach, um, you know, to, to make the most of their opportunity or, or to get the most out of their talent, I should say. Um, so that's, that's two very different questions because getting, (laughs) making, making the best, you know, like if you're going to get the best thing out of it, just try to have fun as you go along. Cause maximizing your talent and stuff like that it's it's going to get frustrating and if you just go out and have fun and enjoy you know like a lot of the kids on my team they they spend so much time worrying about what college they're going to go to and all this stuff and it's like just enjoy it man you got four years just have fun in high school um but if you're talking about maximizing talent i think um the one thing i would try to tell i I always try to tell kids is be well-rounded um most college coaches don't want to see a guy who's plays one sport. Um, they want to see guys that do multiple things and you learn a lot of strategy discipline. and discipline. And I mean, I, you know, there, there's a lot to be said about the guy who goes to the gym and shoots 500 shots all spring and all summer and comes back in the winter and is a great shooter. But there's also a lot to, uh, said to just learning how to compete, you know? And so a guy who's out there playing lacrosse or running track or something, they're getting that competitive edge that the guy who's just in the gym isn't getting. Um, so trying to find kind of a balance there where you're competing, um, but you're also getting the shots up in the gym and getting the skill work in. Um, and I think what I said earlier too, about like the kids who go out and play, you, you got to find a balance there too, because there's, you, you have to work on your skills. You can't just go play at the playground every day um, and be a great player, but you can't just work on your skills either. You have to have kind of both the best of both worlds and find time to do skill work, but also be competitive. Um, and then that kind of makes you that well-rounded athlete. I love it. Um, yeah. You travel a lot during the season. Maddie knows where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Let's say you see, <laughs> the team bus has to stop at a gas station. And you're, you're hungry. You could use a snack. What is your gas station snack? It can be on the road alone. It can be with the team. You don't have to share it. What would be your go-to? And Maddie, you always phrase the question better than I Well, I'm just, so no, no, that was perfect. You crushed it as always. But Brian, you should think too, you, we've been giving people a couple, if you want to do a savory and a sweet, or if you, if you have two that you just can't split up, but it's basically just anything you'd see in a rest stop gas station mini mart on your road trip what what do you go what do you what are you gravitating to where are you ending up in that journey so if it's if it's like a late road game and i haven't eaten dinner i'm probably going like trail mix with the oh. with the uh the ones with the m&ms because you got to have some sweet in there but uh because that'll fill you up a little bit you know like if i'm really hungry that'll fill you up um i will say this though um, there's a gas station right near my house and they used to have these chocolate cakes with this white frosting on it that I could eat that like seven times a day and not get sick of it. It was delicious. They don't have it anymore. They changed to be like some, it was just like a little mom and pop gas station. Now it's like one of those chain ones. So they got rid of all the little mom and pop stuff, but wow. man, those things were delicious. <laughs> wow. We hadn't had anybody go there. I don't think we had anybody. No, but no, only because we, it's always like just whatever is mass produced, like stuff that you get at a, at a spot. But oh, wow. If you stumble into one of those, it reminds me, I've got a couple of buddies, um, the, the same guys that I do the college football and college basketball draft with. One of them has a lake house in Minnesota. It's actually in Wisconsin. And on the way up there, there's nothing. It's in the middle of nowhere. 
there's a uh, there's a like a butcher meat store and it, they have like biltong, jerky, any type of meat you want. And it's all just like you're in the store with them. They're like cutting everything up right there. Like it's very much out there. And we don't get enough of that. That's a great answer. Little cakes, custom cakes. Yeah. Mm. Wow. yeah a lot of those a lot of those local local things that you find at the mom and pop gas stations are much better than the mass produced. Like the, the beef jerky, the local beef jerky stuff that's right by the register. Way better than the the pemmican or whatever they got over there. Al, <laughs> or, or, is I'm Al gonna make it? Is Al gonna make it? <laughs> Alex, um, who you saw on, uh, this weekend, um, was adamant against beef jerky. He called it a trash snack, and we've oh. asked this question to all of our guests. And I think you're the fifth <laughs> one that is mentioned. <laughs> he's like on he's on AB beef. Island, hating on the one product that everybody goes. Yeah, I guess I'll just at least have that. Like it's a staple. How <laughs> you could not like beef jerky? That's like that's just unheard of. He's that passionate is- about it. We're gonna so have. Have- I'm going to have to have a chat with him about that when I see it. We'd like it if you did, honestly. That Part of the reason, you know, we thought maybe you could get through to him because we certainly can't. But we we could use you talking to him. I think he needs it. We've been trying. Over under on the Celtics wins this year. 58. Oh, that's the exact number I had in my head. Is wow. that where you're going, Billy? That's the number I had. I was going to say 58. I think that's a great number. I, th- I think I've seen like 53, 54 different places, but I don't think that's taken into account that there's going to be seven or eight teams at the end of the year. They're doing everything they can to lose. So. Yeah. Yes, I did see that a lot. There's going to be a lot more of that. And so I saw the byproduct is a lot of those teams are going to be very easy to beat. They're going to shed a lot of their players and it's going to consolidate at the top. And you really only have to win one more game than the team behind you to get that one seed. That's mm-hmm. it. You got to optimize that and then keep everybody fresh. So. 58 is a great number. What's the over under in Vegas right now? Do you know? Does anybody know? Um, Brian, uh, I, I don't want to put him on the spot. I'm looking. Sorry. Um, I'm, looking, I'm looking too. I think it's, uh, I'm seeing 54 and a half somewhere. 53 and a half. I'm seeing too. Okay. okay. So jump on the 53 and a half. Hit the over uh, for the friends. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Brian, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome back anytime. Yeah. Um, this is fantastic. We need to touch base over the course of the season because I think there might be some trades that'll happen. We want some reactions. Uh, no one's yep. got a finger on the pulse of the NBA and the way it's been heading over the last few years like you do. So, and also supports my love of Marcus Smart. So yep. it's, yeah. it's a bunch of appreciated, my friend. Matty, as always, you called a good game today. Hey, we kept we kept it in front of us. You know, we got guys the ball in space. Brian it was awesome hanging with you. Man, it's the first time we've ever even met, so it was awesome to chill with you. You should definitely come back. We're having a nice time here. So, yeah, great work all around for everybody. Thank you, guys. Later.